Guess what, Lions? For as little as $5 a month, you can get access to exclusive bonus audio content and help this program grow by joining the Lions of Liberty Pride. To learn more, head over to lionsofliberty.com support. Welcome to Electric Liberty Land here on the Lions of Liberty podcast, your weekly shot of culture, comedy, and Liberty with your host, Brian McWilliams. Hello, 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 and welcome to Electric Liberty Land. This is episode number 42, which means you can find it at lionsofliberty.com forward slash ELL42 as you want to do. So guys, what's happening out there? I do want to remind you at this top of the show, that we've got other shows. Mark, on Mondays, with his in-depth interviews with people in the libertarian movement. John Odermatt with Felony Fridays. Make sure you listen to that show as well. Interviewing people that have really been wronged by the criminal justice system. And uh, he's talking to all sorts of crazy people. He just had a guy on that was on 60 Minutes, for Christ's sake. Not that I really respect 60 Minutes or any mainstream media, for that matter. But... It's a pretty fascinating story. So, guys, do check out those shows. Thank you very much. And uh, also, well, I wanted to throw out a little thing because on the last Electric Liberty Land, I did tell people, I, I said one of my major plans was to hire a homeless man and, you know, have him wear Lions of Liberty t-shirt around and scream at people in the street. And you know what? We got a forum member out of it. So welcome, Mr. Kruger, who just joined our Lions of Liberty forum. You get a shout out because he answered our questionnaire. <laughs> Uh, to join the forum, which you can find, just type in Lions of Liberty Forum on Facebook and it'll pop right up. And uh, he answered a little question, tell us where you heard about us. And he correctly assessed that he had heard about it from a homeless man shrieking at him as he was walking down the street. So it's good to see old one-eye Johnny out there that I give a nice sandwich to and a t-shirt is doing his job. Good job, one-eye. Someday we'll get you that glass eye as promised, but uh, we need some more converts, maybe some more pride members. All right, guys, so this show is going to be a little bit more, I guess, in-depth on one specific issue that I usually get into. And it's because right now there is so much hoopla and, and furor and, uh, and attention being paid to the fallout of the Harvey Weinstein scandal. And to go into a little background on this, Harvey Weinstein, if you didn't hear my last episode, he is a giant Hollywood mogul. He's been doing it for years and years. He was one of the heads of Miramax, which was bought up by Disney and became the Weinstein Company. Weinstein, Weinstein, Weinstein. I'll go with Weinstein. I think I've said it three different times. So the Weinstein Company. That's responsible for all sorts of films, Pulp Fiction. Uh, it's, you know, Goodwill Hunting. I mean, all sorts of, of these independent Hollywood films that became big hits. He made the template for that. Now, of course... Success in Hollywood leads to power, which leads to money, which leads to more power. So Harvey Weinstein, being a very unattractive man, <laughs> but with a rather large libido, figured out, as virtually everyone in Hollywood has already figured out, that there are no shortage of women and men in this town who are willing to do almost anything to get ahead. That oftentimes does, in fact, work out to be a quid pro quo wherein said Hollywood starlet will step into uh, the director's office or the producer's office or his hotel room. In the case of Harvey Weinstein, 
often they said what he would do would he, he would invite people back to his hotel where he stayed in a hotel, I guess, probably downtown or in Beverly Hills somewhere. He'd invite them to his hotel, invite them in, and then he would ask them to watch him as he took a shower or he would masturbate in front of them or he would uh, nudge their heads down into his lap and get a little blowjob action. And I'm sure also had full on sex with a lot of these women. It's been happening for at least 20 to 30 years. Now, we're only just hearing about it because no one's had the balls until this actress slash model wannabe uh, up and coming was basically brave enough to say, hey, this happened to me and I want to talk about it. And she had a recording that was done through the New York Police Department, which is in 2015. And they did nothing with, and they had another one, I think from 2007, that Harvey Weinstein paid a woman off and they did nothing with again. So there's repeated issues coming up with Harvey in this kind of uh, action. But again, this stuff is going on constantly. It's kind of an unspoken nod that to get ahead, to become a major movie star, oftentimes you do go through something like this. And what's happened now is the, the initial response was, of course, to people rightly call out the fact that, oh, so Harvey Weinstein, who was a huge donator to the Clinton campaign, huge donor to Democratic National Committee, had fundraisers, was a handler for Obama, went to the White House several times, donated more to Clinton's campaign than anybody's ever donated to, like $20,000 plus, had all these gala events, raising tons and tons of money. You can see photos to the ends of the earth. Like you could line up photos from here to Michigan, back to back of Harvey Weinstein and Hillary Clinton and Bill Clinton all together, easily. Known consorts. And there's also the story that was quashed by Matt Damon and Russell Crowe, wherein Sharon Wax, uh, Sharon Waxman from the New York Times or formerly of the New York Times had wanted to do an expose telling everybody this is what Harvey's up to, completely exposing him. That was killed because the cowardly New York Times, or you could say the democratically leaning New York Times, was able to be influenced and killed the story off in 2004. And again, Matt Damon and Russell Crowe had personally called the reporter to say, hey, don't do this story. Harvey's a great guy. And of course, they called the editorial board, uh, etc. So that's all the background on this. The immediate reaction, of course, pointing out the hypocrisy of the left, pointing out that they're consorting with these people who are complete dirtbags, and there was some political attention. That very, very quickly was squashed. Very quickly was pushed to the side. Now, I'm not saying that it was without a doubt an intentional tactic that the left did, but coincidentally, about a day later, Alyssa Milano and a few other select actresses, but Alyssa Milano is especially... Anti-Trump is especially pro-Clinton, is especially hyper-progressive to the point uh, it's it's honestly uh, incredibly obnoxious if you've ever followed her on social media. But she coincidentally creates a hashtag, which actually had an earlier incarnation in 2007, but she didn't know this at the time. She creates a hashtag, hashtag me too. And this was to in theory anyway, to give voice to women who had also experienced sexual assault or abuse over the course of their lifetime. Now, on the surface, that is a great, great hashtag. I mean, I have no problem with it, obviously. I mean, by God, you own your body. No one should have the right to force you to do anything with your body uh, that you should not have to do. You should not want to do. You own your body. You should not be able to feel uncomfortable. You should not be able to feel intimidated. 
You should not be made to feel that you have to provide a service you don't want to provide in exchange to get something else from somebody. Although then again, as I said before, a lot of these women definitely provided this service and they knew exactly what they were doing. And, uh, and in that situation, go for it. Again, you own your body. Nobody should be able to force you to do something with it that you don't want to do. But at the same time, if you want to make that trade, that's your business. And clearly a lot of women did. And I'm going to come back to that point a little bit later. So Alyssa Milano starts this hashtag MeToo, M-E-T-O-O. And immediately all these women are jumping on it and, and talking about it. And you've got uh, Reese Witherspoon and you've got, uh, I think it was Angelina Jolie saying that she had dealt with it. All these people jumping on. And of course, women who would experience legitimate sexual abuse and sexual assault at the hands of men or other women, I suppose. And also, there's also men that experience this. Uh, Terry Crews had had shared a story where a producer walked up and grabbed him by the dick at a party, you know, just out of nowhere and thought it was perfectly acceptable. There's also many stories about young boys going through the same thing. And that story will probably be the next one to come out. But people are sharing these actual stories, actual rape victims, actual victims of sexual assault are saying, me too. They're taking encouragement, which is what this hashtag should have been designed to do. But what happens? Well, what we start seeing is that the definition of what this Me Too encompasses quickly changes. Because it it goes from sexual assault, which is pretty cut and dry. If someone is putting their hands on you, forcing you to do something that you don't want to do with your body, that is clearly sexual assault. If someone grabs you and forces their tongue down your throat, you are being sexually assaulted. Now, that doesn't encompass somebody leaning in and giving you a peck on the cheek or giving you a little peck on the lips. (laughs) Those are different things. But what happened is that sexual assault now got extended by virtue of uh, this uh, mutation that's been going on. And now is including sexual harassment. And of course, sexual harassment is an incredibly subjective term. That can mean somebody winking at you. That can mean somebody looking at you in a way that makes you uncomfortable. That can mean somebody referring to you with a nickname that you don't uh, appreciate or that you deem sexist. That can mean somebody giving you a hug. And these are stories, these are literal things (coughs) people have been sharing with the Me Too hashtag. That men in the workplace go in for a hug rather than a handshake to women in the workplace. And I myself do this, but at the same time, I do it. You know why I do it? And I don't do it at the first glance of somebody, you know, do a lot of handshaking. But you know why I do it? Because women, so often, they're the ones that instigate the hug. So then you feel very awkward if you don't continue that, to the point where you don't want to offend them, especially when you're doing like a job like mine, where it's a service industry, uh, or, well, it's that's, that's a broad term, but public relations. So I'm, I am at the whim of these people. I'm providing them a service. They are paying us to do it. I don't want to offend them, lest they decide they don't want to have us as their uh, contracted service anymore. So I'm going out of my way to be to be very very nice to these people, to be very charming, and giving a little hug when you see somebody is a way of saying, "Oh, I value you." Very nice to see you. And in truth, I you know I hug men too. <laughs> Depends on how close you are with your client. 
but they're sharing these stories that saying that that is an example. Like, let me share with you something that a woman that I knew way back in high school posted on Facebook. This is an exact post. I'm adding a hashtag me too into the mix for every time I've been addressed as hun and doll in the workplace. And every time I've been whistled and yelled at for merely walking down the street. But mostly I'm adding it to the mix to support the women out there who have experienced serious sexual harassment and who have been assaulted. I'm with you. So this gal, and I'm intentionally calling her a gal, (laughs) this doll is posting this status and not even understanding the fact that by virtue of her posting this, she's cheapening all of the actual experiences that other women have gone through. These women are sharing horrible experiences. They're trying to be brave. They're trying to share it. They're trying to get support from a community of people that have gone through a similar experience. Not somebody that's been called hun at the workplace. Not somebody that's been whistled at walking down the street. I'm sorry, that's not sexual abuse. That's not what this hashtag was designed to do. But no, we've got to expand it out. Because you know what? This is what I'm saying when I, when I, this is the point I wanted to get to. This is the crux of this hashtag me too. What started as an actual well-intentioned hashtag, allegedly anyway, I still think personally that it might have been prompted from uh, Democratic operatives going to Melissa Milano and saying, hey, or Alyssa Milano, excuse me, and saying, hey, let's get this started because it's going to, distract from Hillary Clinton and and take all this onus off of her, which it has done spectacularly. Horseshit. But this gal saying, oh, me too, because of this stupid fucking bullshit. This, I'm sorry, it's an inconvenience. And yeah, you know what? You should have respect in the office, sure. But a lot of the people that are saying this, I guarantee they're not people my age. They're probably 50 to 70 year olds. They're not going to be in the workforce much longer. They're of a different time. I'm sorry, just accept it. Because at last, the data that came out, women in the workplace, you know how much less they were being paid? You know what the wage gap is? 3%. 3%. So it seems like things are pretty fucking equal to me right now. But no, we got to harp on this bullshit. And, but that's what this is. This hashtag me too went from being about sexual assault to being me too because I'm a fucking victim. Me too. Nothing can go on in this world that I'm not a part of because I'm a special little victim snowflake. Look at me so individual, yet I am so individual that I still have to be stuck to the, the greater whole. God forbid anything can happen to somebody Something horrible even that I can't glob onto and make part of me. That I can't say, somebody please, look at how much I care. Look at, I'm going to support you women by diluting your message completely. But please, everybody, just know that I've gone through hardships. Somebody called me hun at work. Fuck you. Just fuck you. I mean, it's just, it, it, it sickens me that these people just have no self-awareness that <laughs> just how much they're cheapening it for anybody that's actually experienced something like this. It's just absolutely pathetic. But that's our society. 
We are a me too society now. Everything is like this. Anything you see, all this Trump hate, all this hashtag resist bullshit, that is the me too culture. That is these people wanting to be part of something. They see it. They go, I, well, I have to be part of this. I can't sit this one out. Everybody's talking about it. I, what am I, I can't be the only one to not hashtag resist. Me too. Same thing with all this social justice stuff that's going on constantly. This transgender movement, everything else. Me too. I'm also a transgender. I'm also diverse in some way, shape, or form. I'm also this. I'm also that. I also care. I also want to. I want to support the, the 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 hurricane victims. I'm gonna. I'm gonna change my Facebook profile. I'm not gonna do shit otherwise. I'm not gonna donate money. <laughs> I'm not gonna go there and help them. No, no. I'm gonna. But I'm gonna stand. I'm gonna take a strong stand against people raising prices for goods that they drove in themselves because people don't have any water in Houston. I'm going to stand against price gouging. Me too. You too. Fuck you too. And it's just that. So that's ongoing. The sad disbursement of this hashtag all over the internet so that everybody, every asshole can can uh, can jump on it. And then on the other side, you've got these actresses. This is what I want to come back around to. You've got these actresses that are coming out and they're saying, well, I also was abused. Me too. But unlike Rose McGowan, who was the initial person that said Harvey Weinstein had done this, and she had said it before too, but now it's actually getting more attention because of this, t- this video or this uh, audio recording. But Rose McGowan came out. She actually said it's Harvey. And, uh, and maybe one or two others have said Harvey Weinstein had, uh, had propositioned me as well. And I said no. But these other actresses like Reese Witherspoon, um, like Angelina Jolie, like others, they, you know, especially Reese Witherspoon, she's been going all over talking about it. And I noticed I follow Owen Benjamin, very funny comedian. Very insightful dude, very libertarian guy, and very un-PC, which I love. But he's calling it out and, and calling a spade a spade here. Because Reese Witherspoon is writing these long monologues about how she was sexually assaulted by a director and it, when she was 16. But where's the name, Reese? Who was it? Where's the name for all these people? If you're not going to name names... You're just continuing to aid and abet these people. You are the problem. You continue to be the problem in Hollywood that has ongoing for years and years because all these people just leave letting it happen. You know why? Because I'm sure whoever did it to her also put her in a movie that made her fucking famous. That made her rich as hell. And probably that continues to cast her in movies. Or has friends that continue to cast your moves. Because like I said, this going on, in some circumstances, I'm sure is wrong. But in other circumstances, I'm sure was completely fine with the people that were taking part in it at the time. And they are very happy that they did it. Do they wish they could have done it another way? Do they wish they could have been found on a on a street, on a star tour, where somebody spots them in a crowd and says, you, you're the next face of L'Oreal? Well, that shit doesn't happen. It's always who you know and what you're willing to do, especially in Hollywood where you've got, I mean, hey, you're pretty. And Reese Witherspoon, you're pretty? But I could take Reese Witherspoon and put her next to any of 
20,000 women in this town and they would blow her out of the water. It wouldn't even be close. They would be considered tens. She would be, when surrounded by them, probably a five. Because the women in this town are insanely good looking. They're all insanely good looking. They're all very hungry for fame and they're willing to do just about anything to get it. And at one point in her life, it sounds to me like Reese Witherspoon was too. Because otherwise, she would say who it was. Who are you protecting? Who are all of these women protecting? All of these women who will not name the source of the person that molested them or assaulted them or or coerced them into doing something. They won't say it because they already know that that's their future. That that person already gave them all of their opportunities. And if she says, oh, it was Joel Schumacher. Then they're going to say, oh, well, let's see how many Joel Schumacher movies has Reese Witherspoon in. Oh, five in the following years? Oh, wow. So even though she was, obviously, this was very traumatizing to her, it wasn't so traumatizing that she wasn't able to become super fucking famous because of it. So clearly she knew what she was getting into. She was pretty much okay with it. So when you read these stories, and again, kudos to Owen Benjamin for pointing this out. He's dead on. Just... Do me a favor and roll your eyes extra hard. Because these people are allowing this to happen by not naming these names, by not bringing it out in the open and continuing to protect these people that do these type of actions that they're so upset about. And in the meantime, the rest of you dickheads can keep hashtagging me too's because somebody's talking over you at work. That was a real conversation I read. Somebody, <laughs> somebody was claiming me too because at work, Men talk over her. Meanwhile, you know what else happens at work? Men talk over other men because it's work and it's a competitive environment. Shouldn't that be equal? (laughs) You tell me, everybody. Let's take a quick break. I will be right back. A little more electric Liberty Land. Hey guys, this is Roger Paxton, and if you're fed up with the government running every single aspect of your life, but you're not listening to the Lava Flow podcast yet, then what's wrong with you? Check us out at thelavaflow.com, or just go back to sucking up to the government. The Lava Flow podcast, striking the root every single episode. This is Chris Spangle, and I am the host of We Are Libertarians, which you can find in iTunes, Google Play, or at wearelibertarians.com. We are a podcast that brings you all of the irreverence that modern politics deserves by examining current events from a libertarian perspective. So please, check us out at wearelibertarians.com. Hey everyone, the Johnny Rocket Launchpad is Liberty. Each week we strive to bring you the best guests in talk radio. The Johnny Rocket Launchpad delivers weekly interviews of noteworthy politicians, experts, and activists. The Johnny Rocket Launchpad is bringing the party to the Libertarian Party and launching ideas in your direction. Check us out at johnnyrocketlaunchpad.com and you can hear me, Kurt Nelson, and the beautiful Heather Nixon talk about the ideas of liberty, rock and roll. Welcome back, my friends, to this Electric Liberty Land. Again, guys, you can find the show notes for this with all the story links and also links to our uh, Pride where you can join up and links to support us in other ways, shape, and forms over at lionsofliberty.com forward slash ELL42. And I do want to remind you to also support us on the social medias. Share our shit at Lions of Liberty on Twitter. I'm at Brian McWilliams on the old tweet box. And of course, you can find us on Facebook, Lions of Liberty and Lions of Liberty Forum. 
All right, so coming back in, quick story I want to talk about, about the maybe the most ironically named bill slash act that has ever hit the floor. Actually, maybe the, what is the USA Freedom Act? Wasn't that the piece of turd that Ted Cruz introduced that replaced the, uh, the Patriot Act? Basically the same thing from that snake. God, that snake. Uh, and you, all you, all you libertarians out there that were touting Ted Cruz. God, I hope you look in the mirror and just want to smack yourself right in the face. Unbelievable. Same thing with Bill Well and Gary Johnson ticket guys. Just shameful, man. But Ted Cruz especially is a snake. But anyway, he does not have to do with this because this is a House bill, but this, or the USA Liberty Act. And this is H.R. 3989. And it was introduced on October 6th. And basically what this bill is designed to do is renew the NSA's mass surveillance programs, primarily the ones that were exposed by Edward Snowden as being so heinous and so unconstitutional. The ones which, which found out that all the Americans were being netted into this program, which was designed, supposedly, it only is, is targeted towards foreign individuals. But, of course, what happens, they found out through these FBI documents and everything else, that there was basically a foreign individual... Let's say he's the target or she's the target. But what happens is that there's leaps. There's like six leaps that they're allowed to take from that. So they they, they record one guy. And then they go, okay, well, now we have to see who he's talking to and who he's talking to and who he's talking to. It's like that Wayne's World sketch. And he'll tell two friends and he'll tell two friends and he'll tell. Like, that's expe- like basically what it is. So these people want to renew it, except it's under the quote-unquote Liberty Act. How exactly... Do they come up with this name other than to intentionally obfuscate the actual intents of the bill? I mean, if this would be like calling a bill that legalized child molestation, the We Love Our Kids Act. Like, well, I guess it's aptly named in a way. <laughs> this Liberty Act, it, it's what is it? It's protecting our liberty from what? foreign uh, invaders and that's why you can spy on all of us because because really you're protecting it by by making sure that you read all of our emails all of our cell messages all of our uh, our phone calls are recorded then you've got everything you need to protect us from uh, ourselves and others i suppose is the justification for this i mean especially the prism program i thought the prism program was dead i thought they already killed it but apparently it's still running Section 702 of FISA, or FISA, the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act, which, by the way, would expire at the end of this year. If it's left alone, if they just put it in the woodshed and let it slowly die, then it just goes away. And the, and the government can't have this mass surveillance capability that we were all so shocked by. Yet again, where is the reporting on this? Where is the outrage that the biggest story of the Obama era that shocked so many Americans, which is so conveniently forgotten by all these never Trump people, by all these these people who just jacked themselves off thinking about Obama. And by the way, poll question for you guys. (laughs) It's just random because I tweeted about this today, but poll question for you. All right. Your spaceship blows up. You're floating out in space, right? You're in the pod. You've got no resources, really. You don't know when you're going to get picked up. Question. Do you save all your bodily fluids? Or do you say, fuck it and jerk off, kill the time? Or for you ladies, 
you know, do a little uh, little finger dancing down there also does get the fluids working. So either way, you're getting dehydrated. That's a question for all of you. But anyway, <laughs> this, this Obama era thing, which was, it just blew our minds, blew our minds. And again, all these people are jerking themselves off talking about how Obama's great and how much they miss him. This guy let this happen. He let the biggest domestic surveillance operation go on right under our noses for, what, five years before it was exposed? And it still exists, and these people want to keep it going. Let me let me name the scumbags for you. There's 13 of them. Bob Goodlot, Rep- uh, Republican, Virginia. John Conyers, Democrat, Michigan. James Sensenbrenner, Republican, Wisconsin. Gerald Nadler, Democrat, New York. Lamar Smith, Republican, Texas. Sheila Lee Jackson, Democrat, Texas. Doug Collins, Republican, Georgia. Henry C. Johnson, Democrat, Georgia. John H. Rutherford, Republican, Florida. Theodore Deutsch, Democrat, Florida. Steve Shebot, Republican, Ohio. Jamie Raskin, Democrat, Maryland. Mike Johnson, Republican, Louisiana. So you can see it's a real bipartisan effort to shove a giant stick right up your ass and make sure that all your privacy is taken away. These people, you know, it's like, I can't remember who was saying this. It might have been Tom Woods. It might have been somebody else. I mean, I can't even remember at this point. But the the point remains, whenever the government actually works together, it's the worst possible thing. Actually, you know, I think it was Michael Malice that was saying this, although I'm sure many others have also stated it. But whenever the government actually comes together to do something like this coalition of Democrats and Republicans, it's for fucking evil. The fact that they can get bipartisan support for some piece of shit like this but yet you can't get bipartisan support to rein in the authorization for military force and rein in the president's war powers or to rein in executive actions. No, we can get bipartisan support for a bill that makes sure that Americans are constantly spied on at all times. Just, ah, woo. And even those little Swedish dolls you can squeeze, like those little ones that their eyeballs pop out, little things shoot out of their ears. You just hear me squeezing that. I'll squeeze <laughs> my wife's uh, hand lotion. Oh, it's foaming sonic facial soap. I'll just give that a squeeze. <laughs> Every time I get all riled up. <laughs> oh my God. It just, it, it just, oh, blows my mind. It just blows my mind. So let's hope that Rand Paul, I'm going to tweet out Randy Pants. Hashtag Randy Pants. Guys, make sure you tweet at Rand Paul, making him aware of this. And uh, just so we'll talk about it. I know it's not in his purview. It's not not in the Senate. But again, just get him to bring it up. HR 3989, tweet at your representatives, call them, email them about this garbage because it has to be stopped. This has to be allowed to expire. Okay, so moving on. Next thing I want to talk about here, Hillary Clinton. Fresh off of her escape from the Harvey Weinstein Association, The Hill, which I've been leaning very, very left lately, which is funny because basically The Hill would be what you'd want to call a pro-Hillary propaganda group. Welcome to The Hill, where everything's about Hillary Clinton, and she's great. I'm with her. All that garbage. But anyway, The Hill had released a real bombshell report. Basically, they released information saying that the FBI knew all about and had proof of the illegal collusion between Hillary Clinton, 
Bill Clinton and the Clinton Foundation when it came to the Obama administration approving a deal through to uh, Rosatom, which is a Russian nuclear company, which effectively sent about 20% of the U.S. uranium's to Moscow, uranium uh, stockpile to Moscow. So, I mean, that's shocking, considering this is weapons used in nuclear armament, considering the that Hillary Clinton was the Secretary of State at the time in charge of these like foreign investment deals. And yeah, 2011, Obama administration, despite the FBI saying this is going on, no problem, go ahead. Rosatom's 10X subsidiary. And they gave them the green light to sell uranium to American nuclear power plants. Before that, they were not allowed to do it. They could only sell uranium from dismantled Soviet nuclear firearms, etc. And they uncovered basically that there was clear evidence of money being passed around, money going to uh, the Clinton Foundation, to massive speaking fees going to Bill Clinton from Russian organizations that were tied into Vladimir Putin, that were tied into this nuclear uh, company. So it was very clear evidence. And there's, you know, De- Department of Justice, asked them for comment, no comment on it. Eric Holder, who was obviously the attorney general at the time. Hey, Eric, what do you think about this? No comment. Where's the reporting on this, by the way, that's going on? The Hill covered it. Newsweek covered it. Some of the conservative outlets covered it. I looked on CNN. Go figure. Absolutely no mention of it. Absolutely no mention of one of the biggest political figures who is, by the way, right now on a book tour, touring internationally, and her husband, a former president of the United States, and of course, let's not forget that Hillary Clinton was runner-up as president of the United States, no mention anywhere on CNN's website about it. No, because they're focusing instead on some allegations against Trump, which are uh, unproven uh, something about his his hotel somewhere, like a hotel somewhere. It it is embarrassing. I mean, as I I can't wait. I'm praying, praying that this story is not the last we hear of it. I I hope that Hillary Clinton goes to jail. I want her indicted. I want her thrown behind bars. I've said it for years. I'll say it again. She is a completely corrupt little piece of shit. She is an awful human being. She is uh, a disgusting person when it comes to her moral values, to her crony capitalism, to her political ambitions and what she's willing to get him. And frankly, I also think that she's a murderer. I completely buy in the fact that the Clintons have had people killed. There was another uh, reporter who was investigating the Clintons that recently died of some weird disease where all of his cells shut down, uh, suspicious circumstances. I think they're murderers. But regardless, we can leave that out. They are, without a doubt, criminals. The evidence is clear. The FBI had it. The Department of Justice decided to do nothing with it. And the Obama administration allowed this deal to go forward, despite knowing all of this ahead of time. Despite knowing that there were slush payments being paid to the Clinton Foundation in the millions of dollars to facilitate this deal. Just unbelievable. And of course, Washington Post looked on their website earlier. Nothing. I mean, these are just basically outlets for the Democrats. It's, it's embarrassing. The state of mainstream media, the state of journalism is embarrassing. And as a clean segue into that, because really there's not much more to say on this topic right now. We have to wait and see what happens. But uh, here's a clean segue into, again, the state of journalism. The New York Times, another uh, garbage rag, just hired a gender editor, (laughs) Uh, which is (laughs) for a newspaper, uh, a, a new title to me. 
maybe somewhere else has one, but they hired a gender editor. And this is why. They said that it is important that they look at all news through an intersectional lens. And this is what the woman who got hired said. Her name's, uh, I think, Jesse Benton. Uh, here's her quote. To me, what gender issues means is not simply coverage of feminism or issues related to women's rights. Though, of course, that is important, and we're committed to approaching those issues and approaching them from an intersectional lens. But I think for a place like the Times, this type of content needs to exist throughout every section of the paper, Bennett writes. So whether that means stories about gender identity or sexuality or masculinity or race and class and how that plays into gender identity or simply the subjects that the Times already covers, politics, international affairs, science, health, but approaching these subjects through a lens of gender. So basically what they say uh, and what the Times is saying is that they no longer are a newspaper. Once you hire somebody to come in and be your gender editor and to rewrite or re-examine news through a quote-unquote gender lens, it's not fucking news anymore. It's now biased opinion. It's now social justice masquerading as news. It's now somebody trying to put a spin on what should be a straightforward facts-based editorial and saying, no, 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 this has to be viewed through a transgender lens or a gay lens. Maybe once in a while it'll be a straight lens, but I doubt it because obviously all news, these people already consider straight news to be just that, straight news. <laughs> think, of, think about that. It's true though. Every, these people look at, Actual news reporting as, quote-unquote, straight news. Telling it straight. Give it to me straight, Sam. That is now considered not good enough. You have to say, give it to me, gay Sam. <laughs> Humphrey Bogart, where are you? <laughs> oh, my God. It's fucking satire. It is. It's a satire of itself. Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait to see what she comes up with. News! Stop the presses, everybody! We gotta get a trans-dimensional look at this through an intersexual lens! God, just crazy, crazy! Okay, what next? Okay, one more thing, actually two more things. Then I'm gonna wrap this up. Okay, so Halloween is right around the corner. And we are gonna have a very special Halloween episode of Lions, uh, excuse me, libertarians in living rooms drinking liquor for you guys. You know, we always do our Halloween special. We will be doing one again. It is going to be awesome. Yes, there will be all of the terrible impersonations you've come to love and hate over the years, plus a couple of new ones. I'm not going to tell you who the special guests are. You'll have to tune in, but it's going to be awesome. Make sure you get good and hammered when you listen to it. But Halloween is coming around the corner. And, uh, and I'll throw up, I do a traditional Halloween don'ts costume list, which I'll be putting together tomorrow. I'll share that in our forums. You guys can enjoy it. But the thing that caught my eye is there's all of these mommy blogs. And I know because I've had to pitch mommy blogs for my, for my work many a time. And you know, a lot of them are very nice people. Most of them are pay for play. So like, if you ever go to a very popular mommy blog, let's say there's some moms or dads listening, and you're looking for tips on what to buy product-wise... Uh, don't trust any of that shit because it's all bought and paid for. I, I mean, if if that blog 
has a readership that's above seven to 10,000, that's all paid content. You're not getting an actual review. You're not getting what the person actually likes. You're getting a brand paying that person to talk about their product. And those people are all full of shit. That I can assure you. So this mommy blog and I had started this Fuhrer recently, and I'm not going to say which one it is. It's not worth it. But basically saying that a woman had asked and written in a question said, hey, my daughter wants to go as Moana, the Disney princess. And, you know, they got this costume. You know, obviously, Disney, they want to make Moana costumes. It's a very popular movie. If you haven't seen it, I actually recommend it. It's a, it's a sweet tale. It's very uplifting. It's got good music. Jermaine Clement is in it from Flight of the Concords with a fantastic song about being shiny as a sea, uh, sea crab. Uh, what's not to like? But anyway, great film. Again, uplifting message, empowering for uh, for little girls. You know, she, this girl is standing up for herself. She's she's out adventuring on her own in the high seas. She's battling monsters. She learns the lessons about how you know her heritage and uh, girl power and all this other all this other stuff. What mom would not want her little girl to go as Moana, right? I mean, shit, Moana it up. So this mom post, she goes, "I'm worried that it's going to be cultural appropriation for my." my white child to go as Moana. And of course the mommy blog said, Oh yeah, yeah. You have to, you really have to worry about that. I mean, I, I think that could be cultural appropriation. Meanwhile, <laughs> can't we just like, I, I posted this in our forum too. This is the epitome of a loss of innocence. This little girl loves a movie. She loves a character in the movie. She just wants to dress up on Halloween. Like that character. Let her do it. She's not thinking about cultural appropriation. She's thinking about an inspirational character. And if you want to strike a blow for equality, for all all peoples and all races getting along together, cultural appropriation is the fucking way to go. That brings people closer together. You're learning about someone else's culture. You're learning about what makes them tick. You're adopting certain things that they're doing, certain foods, certain, certain ways of speaking. That allows you to communicate better. That means you have something in common. I mean, shouldn't it be fantastic? Shouldn't it be applauded that a white girl wants to go as a as a brown Pacific Islander? Isn't that color blindness? Isn't that what we want in this world? But no, we got to come crashing down and tell this little girl she can't be Moana. She can't go as a Disney princess because she's white and Moana's brown and that's cultural appropriation. I shit you not. I went as a ninja three years in a row when I was growing up. Because I loved, had an obsession with, as I'm sure many of you did, obsession with ninjas when I was a kid. That now would be considered cultural appropriation. Because I'm because I'm dressing as a ninja. You know, oh, sh- that's that's Japanese, man. You can't do that. Was, uh, you know, all those people in Japan, I'm sure, would be furious. Meanwhile, <laughs> I remember there was like a spread in L magazine or Vogue where a white gal had gone a a Japanese, it was like a famous model or actress and they dressed her up as a geisha. And it was a very traditional setting. It was, you know, everything was to the T done correctly, paying homage to this culture and this heritage of Japan, but with a white girl and everybody lost their goddamn minds over it, saying that it was the worst thing ever. And the model apologized and Vogue apologized. Everybody bent over backwards to say how sorry they were. Meanwhile, some entrepreneurial uh, person with half a brain that was in Japan, went around, showed people the picture, and said, what do you think of this? And they said, oh, that's great. We love it. 
Oh, that's so cool. I recognize that girl. It's so cool that she's dressing up and, and they did everything so right. You know, it's, we consider it very flattering to our culture, which is exactly what it is. It's flattering. What's the, they always say, what is the biggest sign of flattery? It is impersonation or imitation. You should be flattered, not pissed off. Stupid. I will say, though, I saw a, I saw a costume for uh, Anne Frank. That was a little over the top. <laughs> that one, ugh, I would have reined that one in. I got a very inappropriate joke. I, uh, I'll just tell it. What the hell? What the hell? So I tell this joke on stage. and uh, It is inappropriate, but it's very funny. And basically, I tell this thing about how I'm an idea man, you know? I got a lot of ideas. And I say, one of my ideas, you know, I just want to open up this a little kosher hot dog stand called Anne's Frank's. And, of course, that gets a laugh. Then I say, you know, just a little hole in the wall. We got one special. It's called the Attic Dog. <laughs> it's just a regular hot dog, but you have to eat it very, very quietly. <laughs> one of my favorite jokes I've ever written. Uh, like I said, it's is it PC? No. Uh, is it funny? You're goddamn right it is. So there you go. And if you guys steal that fucking joke and I see you doing it, I will track you down and stab you. Forget that AP, man. Don't be a joke thief. You make sure you credit me. All right, guys, that's going to be the end of the show. We'll go out on that hilarious note. I do want to remind you guys again, follow us on the social medias. Please do share the show. Tell your friends. Talk it up in forums. Post it to Reddit. Tell your grandpa about it. Probably love it. And of course, do make sure to visit us and check out the Pride. We did we ran a little uh, a little Pride teaser a few weeks back, but we do have a lot of great content on there. That is, you know, we do our special libertarians and living rooms drinking liquor shows. We do our conspiracy corner shows. We're actually going to be discussing the Las Vegas shooting. Uh, we're recording that this Thursday, actually. So our Pride members will probably get that on Friday or Saturday at the very latest. But we're going to be looking at all the weird stuff that is just not adding up with that. Now this guy, Jose, the the security guard that was shot, has disappeared completely. The guy's gone. And also there's all these instances of witnesses that were not, they were not shot during the event, but they were eyewitnesses that have been dying. There's like four or five of them. There was also the timeline stuff. I mean, there's so much stuff going on with this that we're going to examine Part of our conspiracy corner. Obviously, we don't put these on the regular podcast. This is for fun, uh, just to go down the conspiracy hole for our, our pridesters. But that's awesome stuff. We do a lot of stuff on there. So please do check that out. See if you want to contribute, become a member, and get that free content. Or actually, it's not free content. <laughs> but that great content. And uh, yeah, that's about it, man. Give us a review on iTunes. That would be great, too. All right, guys. Thanks from me, Brian McWilliams, from the Lions of Liberty, and from Electric Liberty Land. Always stay plugged in to Liberty.